This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, beer barrel time, top 20 matchup time, still undefeated time, maybe getting some guys back time. Not that Josh Heupel is going to talk about that time, but we will time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Goval's 24-7 podcast. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a gorgeous Gorgeous, sun-splashed Thursday afternoon here in God's Own, Knoxville, Tennessee, about uh, right here, about 1.9 miles, I believe, from Neyland Stadium, where uh, in just a couple of days, the third-ranked Tennessee Volunteers will host the 19th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats in a battle that should be known as the Beer Barrel. We'll start calling it the Beer Barrel. I know that it's sitting there in the Tennessee complex. It needs to come back, but uh, we will... We will discuss that. We've been discussing that. We will discuss it. That is a fight that was not going to be surrendered from this end, um, but we will mention it, and then we will discuss more about the game itself. And to do that, let's go over to that undisclosed location uh, where, of course, that means we're getting to the one and the only Patrick Brown. Pat, what's up? Making a rare appearance on the Thursday podcast. Uh, well, is it the Thursday podcast or is it your TED talk about the beer barrel? Uh, it's going to be. It's a combo. It's combo uh, beer barrel TED talk slash Thursday podcast. But uh, the reason Ben would normally be here too, uh, but Ben is. Uh, we've already mentioned this, and he okayed it, so we can mention it. He is headed on down home uh, to his native Alabama, I believe, for a uh, for a wedding of his sister. So congratulations to his sister, who, as he said, is marrying a uh, Davidson County police officer. So good luck to uh, the future uh, ex-McKee, who is now not going to be a McKee. So uh, congratulations to them. Hopefully everything goes well. Ben will be back Saturday uh, to cover the game and do the post-game pod with us. But for now, Pat, it's you and it's I, and we're talking Tennessee football. And since it's Thursday, that would mean that there was a Josh Heupel press conference just a couple of hours ago. And if you've never, if you've not gotten the point by now, I think you're you're just you're you're really missing something because it's pretty obvious that Josh Heupel shows up for his Monday press conference and he's in a he's always pleasant, right? No matter what happens, he's always pleasant. Doesn't really say much, doesn't really unveil much, but he's really pleasant. Thursday, that dude comes in for its business. He's got a different demeanor about him. It's a really short press conference. We always ask if guys are going to play, and he always says the same thing. He's not sure, even though he pretty much does know. But it's it's sort of a Thursday tradition, I guess, now, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not that he's, like, in a bad mood. I don't yeah. know if I've ever seen Josh Heupel in a bad mood. And, Fair. like, I, I've openly wondered with some people in the program, like, does this guy ever, like, get mad? Because you look at the two guys he followed, like Butch Jones would turn purple, mm-hmm. yeah, in different shades of red and purple when he got mad, and then Jeremy Pruitt was, uh, he he was willing to grab face masks and 
uh, grab shoulder pads if, uh, during games if he needed to. And, and certainly there's the gif of him kicking the whiteboard on the sideline. Eiffel just seems like he's like, eh, I'm good. Uh, not like some sort of like California vibe, but yet, like, does he ever have a bad day? Like, does he ever like peel paint off the walls, like in, in a team meeting room? Like, I, I don't, these are questions that I don't know, but uh, he, he does seem by Thursday to be ready to get to Saturday as we all are, to be yes. honest. Yes, we are. Um, and I should go back. <clears throat> I should, I feel like I should make my stance known on the beer barrel. I'm anti-beer barrel because I'm anti-beer. Just kidding. I love beer. <laughs> Bring it back. Yeah, that was the, uh, it, it's it's just, listen. Hypel this week said he didn't, he's never seen it and doesn't know where it is. I think he's lying. It's in his equipment <laughs> room. Come on. I'll just be honest. I think he straight up lied on the SEC teleconference on Wednesday when asked about it. Um, but, yeah. Well, and, and to my understanding, and I want to be accurate about this, the best of my understanding is that Danny White, just like Philip Fulmer, who preceded him, was all for bringing back the barrel. The 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 pushback that I've heard exists comes from the Kentucky side of this, and I don't know if that's because the incident that that obviously took it away for a while, a tragic incident involved a Kentucky player. I don't know if that's the reason. I know they've also been much more hesitant than Tennessee to like sell alcohol in the stadium and, and stuff like that, and. I don't know if if that's the reason or it's just because Tennessee almost always holds the thing. I don't know which one of those, maybe both. I don't know what exactly the reason is, but I love college football trophy games, even when they're really, really dumb ones that aren't really rivalries. I like it when teams, after a game, get to go over and get a trophy, especially if the other team has the trophy and they get to go to the other sideline and take it. I, I love that. Those are some old, awesome images and I just I wish that I got might have to go we might have to replace we have, might have to rename you uh, from FCS West to Big Ten West. I just like trophy games, man. I do. I like the you know the 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 boot game. I I, I like the you know obviously all those Big Ten ones. Uh, I think I've always said Tennessee and Vanderbilt need some sort of a some sort of a game some sort of a, a thing like just something like some kind of a, a a trophy that can become a tradition. I just think. It's one of, like we love the pageantry of college sports, right? It's it's fun, it's traditional, it's you know. Listen, I got news for you: kids drink beer. A lot of them, uh, college students. A lot of them also drink uh, sour mash whiskey and, and bourbon whiskey. And well, and now these places sell them for for the yes, most part. Yes, Tennessee does. Yes, and and I just and I think Tennessee has tried very politely to sort of bring it back before, but Kentucky's always had the resistance. So we we will see. Um, but I, 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 I just, I, and I'm, I'm tweeting at least once every day with a picture of the barrel saying, bring it back, hashtag do the right thing. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't think journalists should be activists, but, uh, I'll be damned if I'm not going to win this battle at some point. I don't think journalists should be activists, but, uh, I do think there are exceptions to rules. And if it's the last damn thing I do, I'm bringing back that barrel. I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going for it. I'm going for it. Speaking of going for it. Um, let's see if I can transition that teams often have to go for it on fourth down because they're afraid of what Tennessee's offense, how many points they're going to score on the other end. And Tennessee is playing Kentucky on Thursday in what is one of the uh, more interesting tempo battles that you're going to see all season long. You've got Tennessee uh, that wants to go fast like Ricky Bobby. You got Kentucky who, despite having a guy who's been mocked into the first round of just about every mock draft I've seen, the slowest tempo in the country. I don't understand why you have a first-round draft pick at quarterback 
and you intentionally minimize the number of snaps he plays in a game. I, I don't, I don't know if I'll ever understand that, but but that's 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 I, I suppose my problem. Uh, but regardless, this is a game coming up Thursday. It's a big one, Pat, and we've we've, we've been trying to find some injury and other type of news. We did ask. Games on Saturday, that. Wes. You said it's on Thursday twice. I hope it's not tonight. I have plans. Uh, no, it's Saturday. Well, we'll have to. <laughs> We're going to leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. My bad. Leave it in. But it, it, mistakes were made. They must be discussed. But the game is Saturday, just to be clear. Today is Thursday, just to be clear. But there were a couple of – there's a couple of guys that have obviously been discussed a lot this week. One is Jalen McCullough, and there's really not a lot – there's some news there, but but not necessarily about his availability – and then there is the Cedric Tillman incident, which is or, or situation, which is still going on. Which one you which one you want to go with first, Pat? Well, let, let let's talk about McCullough because there is some some new developments there, and um, uh, Trey Wallace at Outkick is is uh, reported this on Thursday morning, actually shortly before uh, Josh Heupel got done wrapped up practice and came and talked to us. Um, McCullough's attorney is, is doing her job as, as, as she is supposed to, and, and she has filed a motion um, to basically get McCullough's side of the, of the story out there. Yes. Um, and also has requested that his court date or the, the, the date for the hearing has been to be moved up to next week. Um, and I'm not going to go into all the, the details. It's basically uh, McCullough's side of it with witnesses, why he, did what he allegedly did or, or what happened. So um, now uh, Josh Heupel was asked about it after practice on Thursday, said there's no change in his status. Um, he reiterated that, that McCullough has been cleared from the campus side of things. Uh, that was done, I think, last week where mm-hmm. the Office of Student Conduct or whatever, I, the big long name for it, they looked into the situation, found, you know, didn't charge McCullough with any violation of student conduct. He's not been suspended from the university. He's not been uh, put on probation by the university or anything. So he's clear on that front. And, and Heifel has been citing that that process is wrapped up, but there's still the other process, which is the legal process. And um, certainly from a legal standpoint, McCullough's attorney is doing what he's paying her to do and, and filing motions and getting his side of things out there. And and trying to get this wrapped up, having already publicly maintained his innocence a couple times um, since this all happened. So um, what does that mean for McCullough potentially playing on, on Saturday? That I don't know. I, I think because he's been cleared by the university, there's really nothing stopping him from playing. Like there's not like, uh, I mean, they could play him if they wanted to. Will they play a guy with still a legal process hanging over the situation? That's a risk. Maybe. I don't know. I don't see it. They could. Um, uh, but that's where we're at. I know a lot of people saw that, uh, Trey's report said that, well, they filed a motion. Here's his side of story that exonerates him. Oh, why is he not playing? Um, th- th- this thing seems to me to be in the hands of, of the district attorney and, and that side of things right now at this point. So, yeah. um, that that's where, and who knows what, you know, whether they, they decide, tomorrow on Friday that, that they're going to, what they're going to, what the next step's going to be, whether they're going to grant this motion, whether they're going to move the court date up, whether they just dismiss it all uh, as sort of a, you have two sides of the story. How can you, you know, is it worth, is it worth pursuing all of these things? I'm not a legal expert. I'm not going to pretend to be, uh, but I think that's, that's where it is. But uh, I think everyone saw maybe the headline, maybe some of the reporting 
um, and, and Trey did a good job, has done a good job sort of following and, and keeping on with this thing with, with what McCullough's attorney has been saying, but, um, and, and maybe jump to the conclusion that, well, if this is out here, why is he not playing? This is why he's not playing because the situation hasn't been resolved yet. Um, even though he's been cleared from the university standpoint. Yeah, I'll, I'll add just a couple quick things to that. One, I think, and there's been some discussion about a potential hand injury that he has from the incident. Uh, he's a defensive back, and he's played with the club on his hand before, so I, I don't know how much of a factor that would be, just to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm, I, it could be, and I don't know about it, but I, I don't think there's any major major concern there. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but that's what I believe. And, and the second thing is I'll, I'll say this. Here, here's what is really unfortunate to, to me as someone who was not there. Um, but the moment that I read that incident report, I thought there's going to be no charges here at the end of the day. It just did not. I mean, he, if you believe this report, he and his girlfriend were sitting in her apartment, minding their own business. Someone accidentally, allegedly intoxicated walks into their apartment, her apartment when they're minding their own business, and then a confrontation starts, and that's where things get bad. I just, from the very beginning, I looked at this and said, first off, why is the guy who entered the wrong apartment not charged with something, even if he didn't mean to do it? I mean, you cannot mean to speed, but you you sped, like, it's still a violation. So uh, it's like, oh, sorry, I walked into the wrong house. That's sort of, you know, trespassing. You know, it, you're not supposed to do that. So well, there, there, there's some people out there that would say, if you accidentally walked in my house, I would shoot you for walking into my house. There are yes. people out there that would say that. Not saying that's right or wrong. But yes, I mean, and that, but that, so, so to me, what worried me the whole time, or not worried me, but sort of made me sad the entire time was, unless there was some new development that I that none of us saw, looking at the report, I had a lot of questions, and it just looked to me like a couple things. One. This is uh, three things. One, this is eventually going to go away. Two, it's going to take a while for it to go away because they're going to. There's a felony charge here for some stupid reason, so they're going to have to go about. Um, you know, the district attorney is going to have to treat that very seriously because it's a felony charge. And three, ultimately, he's not going to be charged with anything in this matter. But for the rest of his damn life, anytime anyone Google's his name, they're going to see this. I don't think Jalen McCullough is like a multi-year NFL player. He might prove me wrong. I don't think he is. This is a guy who's going to eventually go in the workforce. This is a guy who has had a really pretty much sterling reputation since he was in high school. Everyone I mean, he's, high a team, school, he's a team captain. Yes. So. And, and, and he was in high school, too, and everybody at his high school loved him. I mean, loved him, said nothing but great things about him. Everybody at UT said nothing but great things about him. And he started – this whole thing started with he and his girlfriend minding their own business. And – it's really unfortunate to me that anytime he tries to get a job anywhere later on in life, they're going to Google him. The stuff's going to come up, and it sucks. And and I hate that um, because if it was somebody else, maybe it, you know it wouldn't be it, it wouldn't be as public. But you you sacrifice some things when you become a public figure. But it saddens me that that this is probably the result of this is that you're going to see nothing come out of this charge wise, and 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 yet at the end of the day. They're still going to be. Hey, uh, I googled you, and it came up with felony, like assault. What, 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 what? Explain this to me. So, yeah, that that part sucks. But we move on. That's what it is. Uh, it's unfortunate, but we'll we'll got to let the legal process play out. And then with Tillman, uh, we will see Pat because again on Thursday, Heupel, his answer changed a little bit. A little bit. He still gave his whole. We got to watch him play, watch him practice Friday, run around Saturday, and then we'll see. He did add, however, this time that Cedric Tillman is going to have a say in whether Cedric Tillman plays, 
which to me was the only new wrinkle in the statement that was otherwise the same thing. We're we're delving into these words like they're like it's the the Zapruder film. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> oh, he he said it with this inflection, so this must mean Cedric is playing. Yes, yes. That that that's where it's going. Um, like you're you're. It's the Keith Hernandez spit I, all over again. I I do think there is optimism behind the scenes that Cedric Tillman will play in this game. I would probably say he is a game time decision. Um, we saw him down on the field um, in warmups ahead of the UT Martin game. He was down there doing some straight line running, doing some cutting. Uh, none of it looked full speed necessarily. Um, he was down there with a strength coach, uh, strength assistant, and then a trainer, probably doing a lot of things he's been doing over the past several weeks, trying to build strength and flexibility back in, in his ankle. Uh, I do believe he has practiced this week. Uh, I would say he's probably as, as and we hear this a lot, but he, I think he is a, a true game time decision where I think you could see him going out there, testing it, seeing how it feels. Um, but I do think he is on track to to get back on on the field and get back in the lineup on Saturday night at this point. Um, now, obviously, that can change. You know, wakes up in the ankles, maybe a little bit sore. They can be tricky, right? And as a wide receiver, you need to have your ankle. You need to have trust in your ankle that you yeah. can cut, burst, jump, all of those things. And so um, he, he's, no one's going to know better than him how he feels. Now, if he does play, I don't. I don't think he would play the whole game. I'm not sure how many snaps you could get out of him. Um, I don't. I don't know that they would thrust him into a situation where he has to play 55 snaps. So uh, he could be a little bit limited if he does play, uh, which means Mel Keaton will get at least part of a game still in his role. And he's, you know, he's, he's done a lot better than I thought he would. But um, and I, and this isn't to say that oh they're just trying to get him knock some of the rust off before Georgia. I don't think that's the case. Uh, if Cedric's going to go through pregame warmups in the black jerseys, night game, big game, he's probably going to have the adrenaline running and thinking he's feeling pretty good. Um, and so I think that's where uh, it's not just going to be his decision because uh, they've got to see how he's responding, all these things. Um, and, and they've got to do what's best, not not only for him and, and the rest of this season, but in terms of his long-term future, because he does have, a long-term future and, and the NFL is right around the corner for him. So you don't want to do anything that's going to uh, jeopardize that or jeopardize the setback. But having said all that, I do think you'll see him go through warmups and then they will go from there. But uh, there are multiple people that I've talked to that we've talked to that think he will be able to, to play in some capacity on Saturday night. Yeah. It, 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 it reminds you a little bit of, of Kamal Haddon before the Alabama game, I believe, or, or when he, when he kind of went through warmups and then you were like, Okay, you know, can he can he go and and we'll see and and so it's a little bit of that. I got a couple thoughts on that. You know, if if he says he can play and if they say he can play, you have two questions at that point. Really, the first one is what kind of shape is he in? What kind of football shape is he in? How much has he been able to do? You know, can he do like a bike elliptical? How's he been able to keep his stamina kind of up? And and then even on top of that football shape and shape are two different things. The kid's always going to be in shape. He's just one of those guys, but he's one of those freaks, but um, he'll have done everything he can do knowing that kid to go be out there and play. But what can he, what can he do? And then the, the second part of that question is at what percentage does he have to be to be better than Ramel Keaton? Uh, so if you, you know, if you see him out there, how does he have to be 75% to be better than Keaton? 80%. I mean, cause Keaton's played pretty well. Keaton's made some really nice plays. I mean, has he can has he done all the things Tillman would have done? No, no, he hasn't. But but 
he's done a lot. I mean, he's one of the you know top fifteen or so yardage receivers in the SEC, despite not playing for a couple games. So he he's done. He's contributed. So at that point, how how good does Tillman have to be in order to to be better than Keaton? And I think that's also where these things like the GPS pads that they have, I think those are probably going to give you a little bit of an answer too. Because if he's not, you know what his speeds are. You know what he looks like when he's healthy and when he runs. And if he's not anywhere close to those speeds, he's obviously not ready. If he's at those speeds, if he's close to those speeds, and he says it's not uncomfortable or it's not too bad, then you probably play him, I would think. Because they can look at those GPS trackers and data and they can see this is how far you've run today. This is how, this is your top speed. So, and they use those things during the season and during camp especially to monitor okay, this kid's numbers have gone way down, so he's either loafing or he's hurt or something's wrong. And so they look into it. But I, I think the technology maybe helps you a little bit here too. Yeah, and, and those are all things that the medical staff is going to take into account. But um, it, he, he's progressed well enough. I mean, you saw him running out there last Saturday morning, and, and then the initial timeline I heard was around six weeks, which is where we're at. So uh, it, it would make sense if he got out there a little bit. But again, again, ankles can be tricky. Some days they're sore. Sometimes they're, you know, they can flare up easily. You know, you make maybe one little wrong landing and it, and it flares back up and you're like, God, no, no, can't do it. Um, so those are all things that, that will, uh, that, that will be worth watching. But, um, you know, Tennessee's played without him for a few games now. They're used to it. They would love him back, obviously. Um, he's obviously one of the guys that's really well-liked on the team, and uh, he will, I'm sure, hate that he's had to, to watch his, this season sort of take off without him. But, um, uh, you know, they'll, they'll continue to, to see how he feels and go from there uh, when they get to kick off on Saturday. And then uh, before we get out of here for the first segment, I think there, there's also, you know, obviously last week Haddon and Charles did not play – uh, and, and I was given the impression that if it was absolutely necessary and it was a big game, maybe one or both of them could have tested it and played. But they just said, you know what, let's not say this publicly, but it's UT Martin. Let, let's, let's, let's not push this. That, that's the impression that I got anyway. Right. Um, and, again, they're both dealing with kind of weird temperamental situations, right? I mean, hadn't, uh, I guess, retweaked the hamstring that he dealt with in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, those can be sort of, you wake up one day and it's feeling okay. You wake up the next day and it hurts again. Uh, and Christian Charles pulled up with some, you know, we all saw him grab his leg, uh, the back of his leg at the end of that Alabama game when he played 80 something snaps. So look, look, look hammy ish, looked hammy ish. So yeah, the way Heifel talked about it after the UT Mark game, you thought uh, these, these guys were just held out as a precaution. Uh, I do think Brandon Turnage will be available. I do think that was entirely a, a precaution. Yes. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure that he, I don't want to say that he didn't go into the protocol, but. Uh, I, I was led to believe that he was fine and, and would be available on Saturday night. Yeah, they didn't want that to be two a 2.0 for any reason. I think basically is what they saw that and they were like, let's uh, let's let let let's let's and let's again be careful. And again, it was U, it was UT Mark. Yeah, I think that's and in, in terms of the other medical stuff, that that's the best that I've got. We'll see. Obviously, we know Burrell's out for the season. We know some other things, but. We will see. It's a it's a big one, and I've said all week long that if anybody's ready to play, you do not hold them out for Georgia because this is a huge game. If you win this game, then it's almost like the floor for this team becomes the Sugar Bowl. It, it, this is a big deal. And if you can 
win this game, even even if you lose next week and it's close, you still are right there in the discussion for the college football playoff if you take care of business the rest of the way. So uh, you'd much rather have a close loss to Georgia than a home loss to Kentucky on your resume. So you know, even if Tennessee if Tennessee loses, well, this you'd game, rather just win them all. You'd rather do. yes, but but what I'm saying is if you if you lose this game, but even the, and then you go win at Georgia, you still probably have to win every other game you play to be in the playoff. Because if you got two losses, it probably ain't happening. So you got to be. I think you, you don't you don't want to say it like this because you want to win every game you play, and this team's capable of winning every game it plays. But I, I my point was, I just I don't hold any plays back in this game. I don't I I, I take this one as a Super Bowl, and then you get to next week. You know, it's like this is the Super Bowl and then get to next week. I don't think they hold anything back. They threw a tight end double pass for a touchdown up 45-7 on FCSD last week. Don't you hope they were kind of setting something up there almost? like it, it can, No, have fun. Let the kid throw it. Well, no, but I, I think like let, – let's see if they – my theory is that they have that – they use that same thing later in the season, but they throw it to Hooker and because everyone's going to be following Hyde after seeing it last time. So they're all going to go to that side, and then he just throws that sucker right back to Hooker, and the linemen uh, are going I mean, down. That's what I think. I mean, yeah. That's my theory, but we, we shall see. That's why it's fun, right? Because coaches have to sit in rooms watching this offense and think about that. So that's probably not very fun. We're slightly overdue for a break here, guys. Let's step away for just a second, pay some bills, listen to products, services, in-house ads, et cetera, and then we'll come back to talk more beer barrel, talk more Vols, cats, talk more – Maybe life in general. I don't know. We could get philosophical. Who knows? Uh, but regardless, we'll do all that in just a second. Back in a minute. Hashtag ad. Money! Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the GoBoss 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Patrick Brown coming to you from uh, his undisclosed location, which is somewhere perhaps in the Knoxville area, perhaps somewhere in the Knoxville region, perhaps not, but perhaps somewhere in the Knoxville area. Talking Tennessee football, 
Third-ranked Vols hosting 19th-ranked Kentucky on Saturday night. The battle for the beer barrel on ESPN with the the main crew will will be in town. We'll see if they're still apologizing for Jermaine Burton for no reason, but uh, it'll be uh, Fowler and Herb Street and the the main ESPN crew. Uh, So I still think there are questions to be answered or asked and answered about some of those comments last week, but nonetheless, we move on. Tennessee and Kentucky, this is a big one, a big, big, big game. Wes is going to break into the TV booth and, and pound his fists on the table. Yeah, well, I, I just all I'm saying is that. What if it was your daughter? There were fa- there were <laughs> I, it just it bothered me only because there were fans on saying there were fans on the field. That's like one step removed from like look at what she was wearing. You know that that I just it, I don't I don't like it. I don't like it. I didn't like it then. I don't like it now. Um, but and it happened at a game at this, Tennessee. We're very, this threat is very against deleting ter- deletion territory. Oh no no no! It's staying up there. I, I think my policy on this is 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 firm. But uh, we've all made mistakes in our life. Nonetheless, we move on. Before we do that, guys, quick uh, request from our end, uh, please. Uh, if you if you're listening to this podcast, if you like this podcast, that is awesome. And if you're just listening on the website. That's fine. We love you. No wrong way to consume this podcast. However, what helps us out the most is if you go in there and subscribe to this podcast and rate and review this podcast. We, we do this for free, and we're happy to do it. It's a labor of love. Very, very few complaints from our end. You never want to say none, but, but, but very, very few complaints from our end. But since we do it for free, I don't think it's too much to ask to go in there, subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, uh, you know, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere in the world you can cast the fine pod, you can find this GoVols 24-7 podcast. So go in there and do that. Uh, please, we're doing we're doing this for free, so I don't think it's too much to ask. It's only going to take you a couple minutes. So rate, review, subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. Tell people you see at church. Tell people you see on the golf course. Tell people you see tailgating. Tell people you see at the movie theater. Maybe not during the movie, but maybe during the previews. See... Talk to people around town. You see someone wearing a Tennessee shirt, be like, hey, man, I like Tennessee. You like Tennessee. Why don't you listen to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast? And if you do that, you might make a friend for life. That might be your new spouse. Your whole life could change if you do that. Think about the possibilities here. They are limitless. And at the worst case scenario, someone says, man, shut up. I don't know you. And that's fine. Don't worry about it. But think of the upside of doing that. If you're already doing all those things, thank you. We love you. If not, I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Pat, back to business. Tennessee, Kentucky coming up on Saturday. We're, we're going to have another preview podcast. Ben and I have already recorded it. It's in the can for, for late Friday night, Saturday morning, our game day preview. And, and some of this is discussed there, so there'll be some overlap because that's just how it is. But when you look at this game, when you look at the matchups, when you look at keys, Pat, what, what are, what are the, the, the bullet point kind of top things on your list of – hey, this is a good game if this happens, or this is a bad game if this happens? Well, this is a clash of styles in every sense of the word. A lot of strength on strength in this game. Uh, maybe the, the, the couple that jump to mind are, um, you know, Tennessee's offense is so good at creating big plays, especially through the air. Uh, Kentucky's defense doesn't give up big pass plays. They don't give up big run plays. They keep everything in front of them. Um, they're, they're not overly disruptive. They don't have uh, a lot of, you know, sacks, tackles for loss, interceptions. I think they only have eight takeaways through seven games. Um, they just, they just don't let you hit a lot of chunk plays. They, they keep everything in front of them and make you drive the field. Uh, the other strength on strength is, is Kentucky's run game. I know they're what 13th in the league in rushing. Um, but Chris Rodriguez has been back. He ran all over Mississippi state. Tennessee's run defense has been really good. 
Uh, everyone over, everyone looks at how bad the pass defense is and sort of overlooks that if you try to run on Tennessee, they're like, thank you, please do it again. Yes, P- please come again. Thank you. <laughs> yes, because they, you know, they, they're able to, to lock it up with, with the linebackers that they have. Um, they have some some safeties that play the run well and fit those gaps. And, and up front, they, they're playing really well. And then um, the other strength on strength – well, it, to me, I like this matchup for Tennessee because Kentucky's going to want to try to run the ball. And Tennessee's going to be like, fine, we'll, we'll see if we can get – how many times we get off the field in third and eight, third and ten. Yeah. Um, if Kentucky's, and, if Kentucky's and, in loose downs, it's bad. It, it's – and, and for all the talk about Tennessee's past defense being bad, this defense does two things really well, and that's stop the run and that's get after the quarterback. And Kentucky's allowed the most sacks in the SEC. So um, I, I think if you're if you're Tennessee, you can go out there and be aggressive. You're probably going to give up some plays to Will Levis. He does have a lot of arm talent. Uh, he, I think he's got an underrated group of wide receivers out there, a couple of new guys with, with Barry and Brown. Dane Key's a, a, a big, long Target, you know, 50-50 ball guy. Tavian Robinson's a transfer from Virginia Tech that's explosive. Um, they, they generate a lot of big plays. But, um, you know, if you're able to pressure Levis, blitz him, take away some of his first reads, I think you can you can rattle him a little bit. Maybe he'll serve one up to you. Um, and, and, I mean, if, if, if this thing is going to be a shootout, which most Tennessee games are, <laughs> you're going to take – you know, some people say Levis is a better quarterback. I think they're crazy. I think if you just watch football this season, I know who you, I know who I would take. Maybe, maybe Levis just needs to be in an offense where they take the reins off him a little bit. I don't know, but um, I just this is an offense that tries to slow it down, limit possessions. It's sort of Mark Stoops' mo: run the ball, play tough defense. Um, but when they come against an offense that's an unstoppable force right now, like Tennessee's is, they're going to be stretched. Um, and, and even though they had the ball for 45, 46 minutes last season, still wasn't enough. They still gave up like nine yards of play and lost. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's a clash of styles and, and some strength on strength where um, you wonder which strength is going to prevail or you wonder which weakness is going to be uh, less exposed. And, and, and that's where I'm at with this game. Yeah, where I'm at is that I, I think there are so many, there are just a lot more pathways for Tennessee to win this game than there are for Kentucky. Um, and, and I think one thing, I, I, at the end of the day, I think Kentucky's about the same as it was last season, which is a good team. It's a good team, no question about it. Not a bad team at all. A good team, deserves to be ranked, should be ranked, is ranked. Good football team. I just think it's about what it was last season, and I think Tennessee's significantly better than it was last season. And, and I think one thing that's not been discussed a ton this week because I, you know, anytime you got quarterbacks like Hooker and, and, and Levis, that's going to be a huge discussion. Anytime you've got, you know, one of the better running games around versus one of the better run defenses around, that's going to get talked about. I, I think that the clash of styles is going to be talked about as we've all talked about all week long. I don't think what's been talked about enough is that I think Tennessee is a good bit better than Kentucky on both lines of scrimmage. And I think that's going to decide in some ways this football game because the way Kentucky wants to play, um, it helps when you're big, mean, and nasty up front, and they are. They usually are. I just think there's some more holes there than there have been in the past couple of years, and I think Tennessee's better on the defensive front than it's been in a couple of years. I think Tennessee can win those battles. Uh, and, and the alarming stat, if you're Kentucky, 
is that you have the slowest tempo in college football. You've run basically the fewest plays in some ways uh, in college football. So you're, you're running one play per minute less than Tennessee is. That's how much the difference is. And you're still giving up more sacks than anybody in the league. That is a flashing red light of concern that you are, you are going at, at a slow tempo. You're not running a ton of plays. You're trying to hold the ball and yet you're giving up more sacks than anybody else. If you're Tennessee, you look at that and you go, Hmm, let's go. That that's what you're thinking. So that that's what I think is interesting. I think it's also easier to speed up a team than it is to slow a team down in, in some ways. And, and I think, I just think Tennessee's defensive line versus Kentucky's offensive line and the other way around, I think Tennessee's better in both of those areas. Am I, am I crazy there? I just, I look at them. I think they're better. No, I, I, again, I think, you know, Kentucky's offensive line, they've been so good over the past couple of seasons. They lost a couple of starters. They are supposed to get a starter back, I believe uh, in their right tackle in this game. Um, But again, even with Chris Rodriguez over the past three games, they're still near the bottom of the league in rushing. Um, giving up a lot of sacks on your quarterback. So, um, yeah, I, w- I would think if you're going into this game, you, you if you're Tennessee, you're thinking that you can use that to your advantage. And this offensive line has played really well, too. Um, and and it, I was looking up some numbers earlier today. They're actually averaging more rushing yards against SEC in the three SEC games than in the four non-conference games. It's crazy because you think well, they played Alabama, good up front. Always good against the run. Good yeah. linebackers. They played LSU, a lead in the in, in the trenches. Maybe not deep this year. Really good at linebacker. You know, Florida's always pretty good up front too. They averaged two twenty five, and against uh, Pitt, two MAC teams, and an FCS opponent, they're at like one hundred eighty seven. So it, it's sort of a weird split. I wonder if it's because um, they're because they're playing the second team offense and for for the second half of three. It, of those it, games. it also might be have something to do with Hinton Hooker being more involved in the running game. That's something I'm interested to see if Kentucky's able to do in this game because they they kept Anthony Richardson pretty um, pretty hemmed in. I think he only had like four rushing yards in that game. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it feels like we've done this before because you know Alabama came into that game with a you know really stout defense statistically and they let a guy score five touchdowns on them. <laughs> Uh, LSU yeah. went into that game thinking, oh, you know, we can get it. We can get after Hooker. We've got these edge rushers. We're, we're really good in the secondary. Nope, didn't matter. Tennessee scored 40 on you and, and should have scored about 55. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to me it's going to be the same thing. You know, they couldn't couldn't stop him last year. Tennessee's better this year on, on offense. Um, and even with a and, – and, and, you know, Kentucky's coming off an open date, but Tennessee's basically coming off an open date. No offense to the to the Skyhawks. Um, that was a, a breather game. No, none of the starters played past like late second quarter. Um, the fans got to come enjoy a nice sunny day and have to, you know, they weren't biting their nails and yelling at the top of their lungs for four hours. So everybody's going to be like recharged for this game. Um, and, and I do wonder, and, and I wrote this in the prediction that I sent. Every team that has a season like this, Wes, they always have that one game, right? The one game that gets a little hairy. I thought, what if Pitt was that game? It could have been, and that's something I, I thought about. And, and if you're looking at what Tennessee's got left, you're wondering, is Kentucky going to be that game? Maybe they, you know, maybe Kentucky can muck the game up and, and have it be a, you know, can Tennessee win a 28-24 type of game or they have to win it 45-41? You know, can they do that? I don't know that Georgia would be that type of game because I don't think Tennessee would be favored. 
down there. Um, and, you know, if you don't play your best against Georgia, you're probably not going to win anyway. Sure. Um, maybe that game at South Carolina is going to get tricky. That game, that stadium always has, you know, makes Tennessee do weird stuff sometimes and always a close game over there. South Carolina's got some belief now. I still think they're going to end up seven and five, maybe. Yeah, uh, they, but, I mean, they, they've beaten two teams with winning records the past two years, and one of them had the backup quarterback in. You know, there was East Carolina. So, um, the you know, the, but there, every season has that game where you're off, something goes wrong, maybe somebody doesn't have it. Um, you know, and and is that going to be this one? I just don't see it. It's going to be kneeling at night. Yeah, they're going to be in the black jerseys. It's a team that struggles to score. Uh, if you give Kentucky 99 plays again, they'll probably score a lot. But um, that was such an anomaly of a game last season. I I, I can't see that happening again um, because, like you said, I think Tennessee's better, uh, and, and I think their third down defense is, is even if it's two or three plays better. That game's not close last season. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't see it being this game. Uh, I do think. I don't want to. I'm just not a big believer in Kentucky, and it's not because it's Kentucky. I just look at this team. And I'm like, uh, maybe is it the schedule? Why are they? It, like, it, sh- it should be know? six. And, it should be six and one right now. There's there's very little excuse for that. True. Uh, you know they they lost the game without Levis. I, I think that's the one. You know you you would think they'd beat South Carolina if Levis played, um, but he didn't, and they're five and two. So, but you know they, they played. Uh, they just I, I don't know. I just I just don't see it. I don't think it's a good matchup for them. Um, because I think Tennessee, much like in the other games, Tennessee's gonna score. Can you score with them? If you can't, you're gonna be in trouble. Yeah, I, I look at it like and I've said it I said it even even in the summer and in preseason camp, and I said I think Kentucky might and at the time I, I said I think Kentucky might finish ahead of Tennessee in the standings because of the schedule, but I think Tennessee is going to beat Kentucky and not going to have a terrible time doing it. That's, I just don't love the matchup for Kentucky. Now, of course, in hindsight, you look back on it, those are often the games where you go, how the hell did that happen? Because this team that only scores, never scores more than 27 against SEC teams puts up like 55, and you're like, what What happened? You know, you turn it over three times, four times, crazy stuff happens, you muff a punt, kick off, whatever. You know, some weird stuff happens in football. But I, I just think the the way that Tennessee – was able to come back in the second half multiple times against Alabama, showed me a steal that I didn't know that team had, and it really sort of changed the entire outlook for me. Because if Tennessee had gone up, was up you know, 21 points against Alabama or 17 points and then wins by two touchdowns, that's one thing. But Tennessee screwed around for a little while, made some mistakes, a couple of just boneheaded plays, big mistakes, lost the lead a couple times. Um, and, and then came back still and won the game. And, and I think that, to me, showed, one, you got some breaks because Gibbs dropped the ball and, and you know, that, the other things like that. But still, that showed me a toughness that I didn't know the team had before. So I think going into this game at night, the, this matchup, um, even last season when, when Tennessee was not very good in close games, it still beat Kentucky in a close game. So I, I, I just – I think at the end of the day, I, I do have respect for Kentucky, and I do have respect for, for this team and this coaching staff. I think it's a good team. Not a great team, but a good team. I just think Tennessee's a better team, and it's at home. Kind of. I, I, don't, I don't think that's disrespectful to Kentucky to just say, uh, I think Tennessee's better, and I think Tennessee's better at the line of scrimmage. 
And I think Kentucky's going to have to get some breaks to win this game. Kentucky's going to have to have Tennessee get off to a slow start for sure because if you get up two, three scores on Kentucky, that offense is not really built to go get back in the game quickly. Whereas if Tennessee starts slow, it can still get back in the game pretty quickly. Yeah, and again, it, it, it all comes down to Kentucky struggles to score. Tennessee doesn't. Tennessee's going to put up points. I know uh, Kentucky hasn't given up more than 24 in, a, in 11 straight games, but uh, I haven't played Hendon Hooker and Dalen Hyatt and this crew in, in, during those 11 games. And the last time they gave up more than 24 was the Tennessee game last year. So yeah. um, do, does, does Mark Stoops and uh, defensive coordinator Brad White have, you know, they had an extra week to get ready to, to play this defense. You know, they're going to – they might throw some different stuff at Tennessee that Tennessee hasn't seen or wasn't expecting. But uh, listen to Hennon Hooker talk earlier this week. That seems to happen on a weekly basis. They just see what they're getting, go adjust on the sideline, talk to the coaches in the booth with Alex Golish and Joey Halsley and make some tweaks and just keep on rolling. You know, they lose Cedric Tillman. They have sort of a – you know, it's been mostly Jeremiah Crawford at left tackle over the past three games. Just keep, keep, on, keep on rolling. So uh, I don't know what's going to stop this train. Maybe it's Georgia. I don't think it'll be Kentucky, but again, I, I do just wonder if that one game's out there that Tennessee has to just, uh, as you as you mentioned, has to dig deep and, and find the steel, find the the fortitude to uh, uh, to, to pull one out that that when it's not its best. Yeah, I, I think that the last thing I'll say or that I've got is that I I think with all this talk about Jalen Hyatt, which he absolutely has deserved, if Kentucky decides to throw the kitchen sink at Hyatt. Brew McCoy is more than capable of having a 150, 175-yard day. He just is. Like, if you want to put all that attention on Hyatt, you're still going to have to deal with McCoy. You're still going to have to deal with Keaton. Uh, Squirrel White could get by you and be gone. We haven't even mentioned the word Cedric Tillman yet. Tennessee's tight ends can, can be good players. They can get the ball in space to their running backs. I, I just the, – the tough part about this offense is it spreads you out so far – and it's got so many guys who can beat you. So you're going to have one-on-one matchups somewhere, and everybody knows it. If you can't win if you can't win the line of scrimmage and you can't win one-on-one matchups, you can't beat Tennessee. Tennessee's going to have to beat itself, basically. I mean, I, that's where I think this offense, to me, what it's doing is incredible. You look at this offense and you go, yeah, it's, man, it's just that good. I mean, they're out to a 50-point game, so. Yeah, I think that's – yeah. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to put it. Pat, you got anything else? I know that there's been a couple other things go go out there this week. There's been some 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 hashtag content. Uh, there's been some some good stuff. The dark mode uniforms. I think you've said that that you like them. Uh, I'm trying to think. Is there anything else out there since we didn't have you early in the week? Anything else this week that's caught your attention and you just have to get off your chest before we get out of this podcast? Nope, we're wasting time. There you go. Fight's done. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Bye. There's that button. And now I can say thank you for listening to this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Guys, thank you. Thank you for listening. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Ben McKee is Ben McKee 14 on Twitter. You can also go uh, to twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247 to get all of the stuff there or most of the stuff there. We got stuff on there that we update throughout the day, all day, every day, tons of stuff on there, all good stuff. 
But if you want that best, most delicious, that sparkling, delicious, crystal clear East Tennessee Smoky Mountain Spring Water right from the tap, go directly to GoBalls247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball coverage. We cover Tennessee baseball better than anybody out there. We got that for you. We got Lady Vols coverage with award-winning Maria Cornelius, who covers all things Lady Vols for us. You also get administration news. Basically, anytime anything happens over there at the University of Tennessee, we bring it to you at GoVols247.com. We also have two forums that run around the clock, the Checkerboard and the Summit, where you can go and discuss uh, anything you want that is not political or religious in nature, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and we will be there to discuss it with you. Just about one of us is up just about all the time, at least, so you can go in there and do that. And you can get all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, and that's after a free trial, and that's always. A lot of times we have better deals than that, but at least we have the seven-day free trial, and then you can start paying us. And when you start paying us, again, which is less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month, if you do that, you get access in perpetuity to Paramount Plus, which is the streaming arm of CBS, Viacom, Paramount, all of it. Get all of it right there. And it's, I mean, you got stuff, brand new movies, exclusive movies, exclusive shows. You get stuff from the vaults of uh, Smithsonian, Nickelodeon, MTV, BET, Comedy Central, all of it. And obviously everything CBS has ever done commercial free. That's a $100 plus annual value that we'll put in your pocket for nothing. For nothing. So we're giving you several hundred dollars worth of stuff for less than 100 bucks a year. Guys, that is an unbelievable deal. So please, this is a great time. Go take advantage of that now. Uh, if you haven't heard from us uh, from a couple days, there's been a problem. We should be back here uh, in, in a couple days or so. You'll hear from us very, very shortly. Until then, guys, be good to each other. Be decent to each other. Please, there's not nearly enough of that in our world anymore. God, we are so mean to each other. Have some basic human empathy. Allow people their dignity. Try to be kind. Be good to each other. Until then, be good, guys. See you. Where's Wes at? He already put my comments out there, so (laughs) he, he had direct quotes. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.